Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Source Financial, host of the Beta Channel Podcast, and the host of the Source Financial YouTube channel. Back with another one. This episode of the podcast is a really interesting one. I sat down with Jordan Glickman. He is somebody that I've known now for almost, I think, almost exactly a year. It's ironic that I'm releasing this episode now because, like, uh, I think when I met Jordan, it would have been when I was in the Philippines in January 2019 for a month and it was during Chinese New Year and um, you know I was just kind of seeing what it would be like to live in BGC and I remember one of the missing components that I had was meeting somebody that had a similar work ethic and grind to me and uh, Jordan is a little bit younger I think he's like uh, right now he's probably like 24 25 um, so he's like two or three years younger than me and it was a refreshing thing to to meet him because I was I was meeting a lot of people that were, you know, very successful. A lot of entrepreneurs that had, you know, maybe they're on the second or third business, and I felt like they were kind of like semi-retired in some sense. Like you know, they were, you know, way, working from home in the morning, then in the afternoon going for a massage, and just like just they, they didn't have that similar that similar gene of just grinding grinding and when i met jordan he was like i'm fucking on my grind i'm like doing this i'm doing that i'm like yeah that's that you remind me of me when i first got to china like and when i first started my business like the first two three years of me running my business i'm in a situation now where it's like i'm trying to find a little bit more of a work life balance and that's why i'm moving to the philippines speaking of which uh a quick update because of the coronavirus thing i'm in manila right now and I think I'm here indefinitely. I was I was planning on coming here in April, but it kind of just accelerated the process. We actually just agreed to terms on a condo, a one-year contract here in downtown BGC. So March 15th is the official move-in date. We're going to sign, sign the contract this week and send a deposit. So yeah, we out here. Um, but yeah, so Jordan is a, you know, he's, he's a hustler. Um, he's a really smart dude, good guy, and he knows his shit around, you know, online marketing, e-commerce marketing. And so he runs a digital marketing agency here called uh, Impermess Marketing. And uh, I think I said marketing like 20 times in one sentence. But yeah, so we sat down and we talked about that whole process and, and what it's like to run a digital marketing agency out of the Philippines and the connections that he's made. Uh, one thing that's happened since the last time we spoke was he's actually done a deal with the owners of Anytime Fitness. And he's going to be helping them expand to Indonesia and, and basically running their franchise in, in Indonesia. So, so, you know, big, big things like one. Yeah. So Jordan, yes, yeah, so I think it's an interesting episode. I'm not going to keep you guys for too long. So without further ado, enjoy the podcast. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. So uh, yeah, first opening question: When you meet somebody outside of Asia in a social situation, how do you answer the question? What do you do? So I would say that right now I, I run a digital marketing agency uh, that specializes in primarily AI and automation through the use of chatbots. Uh, we also provide a lot of the other things such as Facebook advertising and PPC. Uh, mixed in with kind of the other things that complement these things, such as SEO, website 
development, branding, and content creation. But I really like to pride ourselves on the fact that we are probably one of the better groups, especially in the Philippines, which is where we're located uh, in AI and automation when it comes to what we do. So you obviously you mentioned the Philippines. What brought you to the Philippines in the first place? Yeah, so I'll go back a couple of years, but I'll try and short story this. Um, I used to have an online training business when I was in college for personal training, and it was decently successful at the age I was at. Um, I trained a couple hundred people online all over the world, and um, you know, it, it it was a huge passion. It wasn't about the money, but I did make some decent money from it. And from there, I, I started getting into vlogging, and I shot a video for a company, and. Long story short, those videos turned into me shooting for companies like Mercedes-Benz, Cadillac, other public companies as well uh, within the U.S. over, I think, a six-month time span. And college ended right at the end of that six-month time span, and I had to figure out what I wanted to do, and I knew I didn't want to work for someone. I knew I had some money, so I figured I'd travel throughout Southeast Asia and and, uh, just kind of enjoy life, see different parts of the world. Uh, and also try to figure out what is my next move, what's the next business I'm going to start, because I always knew I was going to start another business, and, and hopefully the one that's going to be a bit bigger than what I was doing in college. Um, and so I traveled throughout Southeast Asia, I started in Bali, and I went to multiple countries, and I I ended up getting a, sh- a small video gig in the Philippines, and created a, a good relationship with the people that I shot for, and it eventually kind of brought me back to the Philippines a couple of times and I eventually ended up settling there after I realized the potential of the market, uh, where it was headed in terms of just digital and development. It's kind of like the US uh, 10 years ago. So it's, it's a market you can look at and you know that it's got massive potential for what we specialize in today, which is again, Facebook advertising, e-commerce, et cetera. And when was the, what year was that when you, when you first moved? or when you first went to the Philippines? I left home uh, in September of 2017, and I ended up permanently moving to the Philippines on Jan 1 of 2018. Uh, so that was the last day that I was doing kind of traveling. And on Jan 1 of 2018, I landed in the Philippines, and I went ahead and threw up a website and everything for my business and kind of started full on from Jan 1, 2018. Yeah, so when I met you, you'd literally been there for like a year and it was it was interesting because I remember I think I, I told you this as well. I was like I, when I first when I first went to Manila for like a month, I was trying to see what it would be like if I lived there. And obviously, it was also meeting the guys from the refined. But just coming from China, coming from like the sort of crazy work ethic over here, I was beginning to get worried that if I moved to Manila, I would be like surrounded by a lot of guys who'd made quite a bit of money, but were kind of like. You know, working three, four hours a day and getting massages and hanging out in the afternoon, and I was like, I, I, this might be, uh, might not be a good working environment for me. But then, obviously, I met, I, I met you and I, I met a couple other people, but specifically you, and I was like, oh, okay, so there are still like crazy hustlers out there that are just like working their asses off. And I was like, yeah, this is like I definitely, in terms of a work perspective, like I, I definitely want to spend more time around Jordan than than some of the other dudes that I that I met. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, even for myself, it was the, the first months here. I didn't meet anybody. And I also even thought the same thing while I was here is, you know, what, where is my crowd? Where is the people that I can surround myself with? And um, 
yeah, it became very similar for myself. I eventually went through Refined as where we met and, and met yourself and met other people that also were kind of on that grind method and just consistently putting in the work day after day. And I guess to say heartwarming, but it was uh, it was eye-opening to know that, you know, there was going to be a good group of people to surround myself with here in the Philippines. Yeah, super important because uh, I think a lot of people, the misconception that they have around the Philippines uh, is because it's a, like a lot of people go there on vacation, right? So they don't really understand the business opportunities there, uh, the people that are there, the high level entrepreneurs, um, not just expats, but also local business people. And of course, with English being, I think what, it's the third largest or fourth largest English speaking population on the planet. If you have no problem connecting with local entrepreneurs or Western or expats and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, there's a big misconception around that. I'm, I'm constantly educating people about it and I'm wondering if I should stop so we can keep it as a, <laughs> as a little secret. Uh, can you talk about your, when you first got to Manila and you, you did that first gig, can you talk about how you ended up getting your, like your second client or did that first gig become something more than just the initial video shoot? Yeah, so that video shoot did lead to one more video with another company, but that was more or less a dead end all in all of itself. Uh, for me, what really ticked is I ended up meeting someone from a local gym, and it was actually the brand of Anytime Fitness, which is pretty well known globally, but also throughout Southeast Asia. And we ended up doing some marketing for them and we brought in i think 150 customers within 30 days off of a very low budget and so to say the least they were super excited we were you know blown away and amazed because this was you know our first i think month and a half within business so it was exciting for us as well um but this is really what the snowball was because we then took those results and we could leverage it so we leveraged it across different you know industries and different potential prospects uh, but the bigger thing is that we ended up leveraging it into the regional agent and eventually got up to the head office as well too so we now market for the head office of anytime fitness and it, it's definitely been a ride. It's definitely been exciting. Um, but that that one client and the results that came from it has, I think, really spiraled us to get to where we are now. Somebody who's listening to us from the West might be a couple of different things. I think they're probably wondering, okay, so what are, what are the advantages you'd say from an entrepreneurship perspective, starting a digital marketing agency in the Philippines? And then the second thing is you mentioned the differences in terms of like it being like the U.S. 10 years ago. Maybe you can expand on that point as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say the advantage is, is that it's cheap. So when you're starting your business, you're younger and you might not be starting up with tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds. It's easier to know that you have all of your fixed costs taken care of, such as your rent, your food, your phone bills, etc. All of that stuff is taken care of because the cost of that may be a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars per month, depending on where you're living. So it's much easier to get up on your feet. For example, in the digital marketing agency, we got our first client. I knew that all of my costs were completely covered. I knew that I didn't have to stress about when I was going to make money and be able to afford food or whatever it may be next. So that was, I think, the nicest thing about being out here as an advantage is just the cost of things. 
And then speaking to the fact of how the Philippines is like the US 10 years ago, it's a developing country. So things like Amazon and buying all of your products, your clothing, et cetera, online is just now starting to take off. People are still saturated in the malls here. And I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon as it's become a part of their culture. But indefinitely, people buying products online is just now starting to take off. So people spending money on advertising online, the attention span of people is now uh, heavily moving to being online. And so when an audience is moves their attention to online and that's where products are, that's where us advertisers can ultimately also excel because you have cheaper media space uh, that you can buy up with ads and so on and so forth. So it's, it's nice to kind of know what happened and what worked in the U.S. for the past decade. And now we can kind of take what worked there, apply those same principles here in the Philippines or other developing countries nearby and know more or less that what we're doing is on a right and correct track, to say the least. I have noticed that the online market, even since the time that I started going, has grown quite a bit. Like if people are shopping in the Philippines, like what are the main uh, online stores that they're using or apps? Like I guess Lazada would be the, the main one in terms of something in the vein of Amazon. But Yeah, so Lazada and Shopee are the two big ones as of right now in the Philippines. Yeah, Shopee had a heavy marketing push with Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> every YouTube video. That was <laughs> Exactly. And these are like the baby Amazons. And I think Amazon's supposed to be here in about a little under two years from what I've seen. So those are the two big ones. I, I think for me, the more exciting part is Shopify. It's that you see even just locals starting to invest in getting an online store of their own. They're starting to invest in their ads while they may or may not be experts at it. It's the idea that they're creating it. And I'm watching a lot of these guys making tens of thousands of pesos, which is maybe not a lot to you and me, but the fact that they are able to do that and it is a lot for them, um, it, it shows that there is an audience that's willing to purchase online. And I, I think that's, again, it's, it's exciting to see that this is where it's moving to. Um, and, and we're kind of in the beginning of it. Yeah, for me, uh, some of the apps, like coming again, coming from China where uh, online shopping was like not China wasn't the first country to do it. Obviously, I think the US was probably much earlier, but then China was is the country that's kind of like just adopted it and taken it to another level. All the applications that I use, like even this morning, I ordered coffee because I'm at my apartment and, uh, you know, I ordered coffee about, 15 minutes before this call started and it was here in 10 <laughs> and you know i paid through wechat like it was all digital stuff so when i first came to philippines in january i was kind of like taken aback at the fact that i still had to pay cash for a lot of things <laughs> but even since that time period i've noticed that a lot of the apps that i was using if they like some of the restaurants didn't have credit card uh, options but now they do so it's i could see like even the actual companies realizing that they're missing out on clientele because you know if i don't have cash i just don't have cash even though i love your restaurant it's like i just don't have cash right now and i'm not gonna go to atm just to take out money so i can order food from your or coffee from your from your spot right so exactly yeah it's it's ever growing and just in the two years that i've been here i can see the growth and it's yeah, it's, it's, it's like a wildfire. It's, it's crazy. Specifically about your business, what are, the, what are the main services? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are the main services that you provide 
and maybe talk a little bit about some of the success stories that you've had. So some of the things that we highly focus on is PPC, which normally leads around lead generation and, and brand awareness. And the name of the company is Impremis Marketing. Yeah, Impremis Marketing. So um, at Impremis, we're, we're primarily focused around AI and automation through chatbots. So we utilize them as a lead qualification or customer service are kind of the two big parts that we utilize them for. And I'm actually about to come out with a video of my own on why chatbots are dying. Um, but it kind of is ironic because it's it's only dying if you're not getting in that, into natural language processing, which in short just is a fancy way of saying being able to take on a conversational kind of routine and understand the sentiment of users. So the chatbots that we build are not just click a button and a, a simple flow. It's able to understand, say, multi-language, mis misspellings. It's kind of like putting Siri inside your chatbot. So it really truly understands you. Um, and, and so that's something that I'm, I'm super happy and eager about that we're, that we're doing because I think there's, there's really not a lot of companies doing that, especially at least where we're located right now. Aside from AI and automation, PPC, so Facebook ads, Google ads, Instagram ads, et cetera, are something that we're definitely also really good at uh, and that we focus on pretty highly because they complement the chatbots quite well. And then in addition to that, we do a few other services that we're pretty proficient in. I wouldn't say that they're our core, but they are definitely things that we're good at. We wouldn't offer it if we couldn't deliver a good service. And those are comprised of more of a basic SEO, website design and development, content creation, and there's probably one or two others that I'm missing right now. But all pretty much geared around creating a brand, being able to launch a brand, and then scaling that brand. So anything and everything kind of in between there, more or less, right now we're capable of, and that's what we've built the team for. Nice. Yeah, what are some of your most successful projects that you worked on? Yeah, so anytime fitness is, I mean, it's a, it's notably one of my favorites, I would say. So that first client we had, it's one of our most memorable. It's not something that you're going to see happen every single time, but it's an exciting one for us uh, where we had a, a 200 US dollar budget for the month and we were able to generate 150 people. It was actually 149 within 30 days. And so what that translates into in a dollar amount for the customer was $40 down plus $40 a month for a 12-month contract, which I think came out to a $70,000 return on investment for just that. And that's not inclusive of referrals, then buying PT if they resign, et cetera. So um, that was one of probably the most exciting and really any of the other gym branches that we've worked with have seen pretty much very similar results to that. So that's exciting. I'd say one more is been in the solar and energy renewable space. We worked with a client in Australia and we set up a chat bot and we set up a Facebook funnel and we were generating leads for a little under $2 a day. And the chat bot was able to pre-qualify them asking them if they were in a sunny or shaded area where they were located, what their energy bill was pre-qualify them, get it sent into their CRM. So all of that was automated and all their sales team had to do was pick up the phone and call them or finish the sale if they were qualified essentially. So that was another really exciting one that we just had recently. Do you work with a specific type of client? Yeah, so I, I would say really one or two of the things that we really look for is someone that's 
already investing into ads or has done it or someone that understands the value of it. I think for me, that's probably the biggest thing that I kind of realized in 2018 and 2019 is the person that we want to work with is the person that understands the value of digital. And I say that because we've worked with a handful of people in the past that they didn't understand why digital was great. And I guess they also didn't have more or less the patience for digital in the sense that Facebook ads are not going to churn you out a guaranteed profit on day one, even month one. What we recommend is three months for any good agency, whether it's us or anybody, three months, you should start seeing a return on your money. Otherwise, there needs to be some kind of change, a change of agency or a change of strategy or, or whatever it may be. But three months is enough time to, to see a result um, or at least figure out why it's not working. And we have people that, I guess, after two weeks or even a couple of days, funny enough, want to turn off the ads or, or want to stop investing money. And it's, again, apparent that our ideal client is someone that understands that it is not just a put money into it and you're going to make money. Because if it was, I would buy the business that that works for and I'd be a billionaire because I'd pour all the money right back into the Facebook ads. So it seems crazy, but I, again, I guess when you work in a service-based business and you work with a lot of different types of people, you get a lot of different perspectives um, about how things work for or people think about different things. So. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things for me is, is someone that understands the value of it and they're willing to you know, work together because we're only as good as the person we're working with. We, we have to have good communication. We have to have good strategic thoughts together and be able to work as, as a team you know, back and forth as we're helping them, you know, whether scale their brand or refine their brand, whatever it may be. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like with, uh, <laughs> with regards to working in a service-based business, you definitely come across a lot of different personalities. And I think a big part of like when you get to a certain stage of, of running a company, uh, service-based company specifically, is like being able to educate your potential clients and weed out the better clients. Like we've had to reject, like last year, I think we rejected about two or three people because we just... Just the way the communication was before we even got started, it was just you know way too demanding, way too too many expectations. It's like <laughs> we just came at some stage. We just go like, look, man, I just we don't think this is going to be a good working relationship. But you know, that's the exact same for me last year as well. We we accepted a couple projects um, that I kind of knew probably wouldn't be the best, but I said, you know what, I'll I'll give my best foot forward and and try to work with them and. I just kind of went for it. But then after, you know, say X amount of days in, we had to do a kind of a termination, if you will, because again, it's, it, it's a service-based business. And, you know, if you don't have good communication, you don't have a good relationship. It's, we're only as good as the relationship we have, you know, we're, I think we're, we're awesome at what we do. And so if we don't get the right feedback when we need it, or if we don't get X and Y, we can't excel at what we're trying to, to do for that person ultimately. That's exact same issues that we've had with certain certain clients that we t took on where, uh, you know, we're, we're giving them deadlines and, you know, if we don't get X by this day, then this is going to be pushed back. And then when it does happen, naturally, I always tell my team, it's like, you know how it is, like when every time something like that happens, the clients never come back and say, this was totally my fault. <laughs> like there's been times where they'll be like... Uh, yeah, no, I understand that I was slow with this, but you guys couldn't, but you guys, I'm like, there was no, but like, we didn't get this information by that date. So there's nothing we could do about it. And yeah. we followed up multiple times. I had one horror story, not horror story, but I had one like really bad situation. I think it was my, it was my first year actually with the, with the company. And 
Uh, we took on a client at a time where we, we basically needed the money. And it was like, so essentially, you know, obviously Chinese New Year is coming up, right? Like it was exact, it was around this time of the year in 2015. Um, and, but towards, it was like December and then Chinese New Year was happening in like four weeks or three weeks. And typically we don't start new mass productions like before Chinese New Year. It just doesn't, like, there's just no point. You're not going to be able to finish it. And so, you know, we had a client who came to us and kind of like pushed us to to do something that we felt uncomfortable doing. But then, I, you know, I took on the project and then, you know, I, it was a similar thing where we said, okay, we'll do this, even though it's not something that we usually do. And we need all these things lined up by a certain time. And then he didn't have those things lined up by a certain time. And then he actually threatened to sue us. So we ended up we ended up having to give him a refund and everything. It was like it was really bad, but it was a good lesson to learn early. Never take on clients because you need the money. You know, it's like if you feel like it's not a good situation, just it's probably not going to be a good situation. Yeah, that's a hundred. That was my lessons last year as well. Is it's you know whether it was needed the money or it was in one case it was just being friendly to try and help out at first, and then it was just like well. You know, you're just going to keep giving me the money, but they they were just a very similar situation. Bad communication, kept offering projects, but more or less we were saying we really couldn't do it. But they said they didn't have anyone else they could go to, so we took it on to try and be helpful. And you know, when things were getting overwhelming, uh, you know, there was bad communications. They didn't ask for the right things, or where they just didn't communicate what they wanted. It pushed back one of their projects, and the other project got pushed back, and so on. And they got happy, unhappy, of course, because of of ultimately their miscommunications and not to blame it completely on them but again it's a team effort and and so yeah it's it's very similar uh, but again that's being in a service-based business you learn from it and and hopefully only grow from it so speaking of that like what, what are some of the earliest business struggles that you had and how did you overcome for me i think one of the biggest things and i think this happens for every entrepreneur is just running the show I'd say it's wearing all hats and understanding how to be focused. I would say one of my strengths is time management. So I'm extremely good at understanding how to manage my time. When I have a certain amount of things that need to be done, I can willingly you know, manage my time quite well. Um, but just understanding where to focus and what needs to be done at certain stages of the business, I, I wouldn't say it was a struggle, but it's one of those things that it's probably the biggest learning learning curve that I had is, you know, you come into business and in most cases your parents aren't going to teach you it. You don't learn it from school. And so for myself, it was a matter of, okay, do we focus on learning how to do Facebook ads better? Well, you know, when we're first starting out, we don't have employees or do we, you know, figure out having a really nice website? Do we need to do sales? And if so, do I need to learn sales? Are there, you know, certain things I need to learn to say or how to handle a rejection of a sale. You know, what, what is it that I learned? What do I put my time into to make sure that, you know, I'm getting to the next step? And what is the next step? Is it just making a bit more money or is it something else, right? And so, yeah, I think just running the show and figuring out what is the next step was my first issues. But just being the person I am, which I, I find myself quite resourceful and persistent and so on, it's it's... It, it eventually came, it eventually comes. And I, I think, again, you just keep at anything, it's, it's going to come regardless. It's just a matter of when. Nice. So you'd say the main way, uh, the main way you overcame those difficulties was just the persistency? 
Yeah, I would say persistence and grit, you know, is uh, when I first started out, I was working a, a ridiculous amount of hours, I think from 7am until at least 11pm. And I genuinely am talking about 7am to 11pm sitting in the same chair, uh, not not getting up except for food and bathroom and stuff. Genuinely, because it's, it's you know, it was watching courses, it was watching YouTube videos on how to do X, it was uh, sending out hundreds of emails through an automator, or it was whatever it may be. Um, it was just that consistency. And, and uh, I found so many things that didn't work. And I found so many things that did, but it took, you know, roughly about a year until things really kind of took off how to find a network, how to build a network. A lot of things that are obvious to me now, of course, as they would be for anybody. But yeah, it's a, I think persistence and consistency. I don't think I'd ever want to go back through that again right now, <laughs> maybe for a different business, but uh, that same grind, you know, it's, you do it once and you're more than thankful to be out of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that, that entrepreneurship struggle at the beginning. Like I remember for me, what was that? Like when I was teaching English and I started a company, then I was like, similar situation, be work, working from seven, eight o'clock in the morning till, you know, midnight, 1 a.m eating bad food like <laughs> not leaving my apartment for days uh before before we had an office like yeah exactly and that's uh, even for myself that first year i told you i used to have an online training business so i used to be a bodybuilder powerlifter nationally ranked and everything so health was everything to me and still is important to me today but during that one year of trying to get on my feet in this new country new business you know etc new people it was tough. And, and for me, you know, I was also eating terrible food. My health went terrible. I ended up in the hospital for some basic reasons, but you know, nevertheless, I was not healthy at all. So it goes again, back to that focus. And what do you focus on? Do you spend 30 minutes at the gym? Do you spend 30 minutes walking every day? Do you spend the time to go to the grocery store instead of going to fast food? You know, so again, I, I think, yeah, focus and you know, what do you spend your time on is, is really the, the bigger thing when you're first starting. You just don't know what's, what's right. Yeah, 100% agree. What is the biggest misconception people have around digital marketing? Oh, man, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> let me think about that one for a second. So I, I would say the biggest misconception is that it's, it's easy and that it's just a, a matter of amount of time that you spend on it and that's it that you're just clicking buttons and you're kind of done i would say that there's a lot more effort that goes into it from a strategic and analytical perspective as well that a lot of people don't foresee it's kind of like that thing where the boat was completely broken they paid tens of thousands of dollars to someone to come fix it no one could fix it one guy came in and he fixed it by just clinking on something did something very simple and he wanted you know a hundred thousand dollars or something crazy and they said but it only took you two seconds to do that but he was like well it's the 10 years that it took me to learn it right and i think most entrepreneurs already know this but or even business owners but you know i think that's that's a lot of the times the the problem is they see that it maybe only takes us a couple hours to do something or in other cases we're only spending maybe five hours a week on their their service but in the other case and this is not for all services but in the other case with that amount of time it's you know the amount that it took us to learn what we know now is 
astronomical, the amount of businesses we had to work with, the amount of results and clients we had to lose or gain in order to get to this point is, uh, you know, it's, it's unfathomable, you know, it's really under, it's not, you can't really put a price on that. So yeah, I, I would say that that's probably the biggest misconception is that it's just simple and easy and you can pick it up within five minutes or you can have someone else do it. That made me think of something because I was talking to one of my friends the other day and he, he um, does something similar to you, but just a different space completely. And he was saying how he started to think about doing JVs more with his clients because like he's had clients that he made, you know, six figures for and, you know, seven figures for. And you just like, it's when you start to see these numbers and you're like, I did that. He's <laughs> just like, uh, and then, and a lot of times they wouldn't want to pay him his, his actual commission because like you said, it was done in such a short space of time. Like uh, there was one client that he made, you know, a bunch of money for within a month. And then the client felt like, even though it was the work that he did, they kind of didn't want to pay him the full amount that, that he was owed. So yeah, that's a, that goes back to that perspective of like, well, it, took, it only took you a month to do this. And it's like, well, but could you have done this without me? Like, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and that's, I mean, we, for example, one of the things we've started to offer going back to kind of our services is performance-based services. So uh, people only pay when we get them results, which sounds incredible. It sounds like a no-risk kind of option, and it is. But it's a lot of risk on our end where we're doing all this work and then we end up not getting paid because, again, same same problem that we make them all this money and then they're unhappy that they have to pay 20% to us of what we made them. But it, again... Would you have done it without us? And it's incredible, but I, I had a business last year that they were 100% looking to work with us. Um, the, the actual owner was completely all in. And then her advisor said, no, what if they make us too much money? And I was like, oh my goodness. What? I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't think it can get better than that. I, I don't, I don't know what to say. Uh, and, and again, that's, that's really yeah. Nice. Working with different people, you don't understand what kind of people you will come across when you work with this many different types of people from around the world. So it's, it's eye-opening almost every month. Something there's always something, and it's it's just yeah, it's wow. <laughs> In terms of the actual marketing side of things, what 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 skills? What are the basic skills that you had to develop? And uh, yeah, what are the basic skills that you find are the most beneficial? How did you develop them? Yeah, so for me, uh, I already mentioned a couple of these. So time management and grit being, I think two big ones. I'm really good at time management, always have been. Um, I think grit and just persistence as a skill of itself is something I also have. It's it's something that, hence why I started a business in college. I'm just a go-getter. I don't stop. When I want it, I'm going to get it. And so I think with those two just in your back pocket, whether you need to work on marketing, sales, communication, leadership, project management, financial stuff, projections, you're going to figure it out. And so I'll, t I'll speak about some other skills that I've had to gain, but with those two, you're going to be able to figure out what you need to build as a skill. And I think that's kind of where I got to where I was. Cause I, I didn't know anything about financials. I didn't know anything about sales. I knew I was okay at selling people, but I didn't know an art of it. Right. I didn't understand. I, I thought I was good at leading people, but I didn't understand the psychology behind it to say, right. I, I understood how to manage a project, but I didn't understand the skill set. Um, so 
I guess over time, some of the, the skills I did have to build was project management. Once we got to, I'd say, 15 projects at a time, it, it really started to hit me that I could not just manage my projects through email and a sheet of paper. Uh, it sounds crazy, but it, you know, I did it for a year and plus. So I eventually got a project management system. Um, leadership. You know, we had a team of one when it first started out where it was just me and my old partner. And now it's a team of, I think, five, sometimes 10, if you include contractors and, and stuff like that, depending on how big a project it is we're working on. So just learning basic leadership skills. And it, it seems like, well, I can just know how to lead a team, but some people are good and some people are not good at it at all. And I think that's one of those skills I was decent at just to start with, but I wanted to understand the art of it. I wanted to understand more than just how do you treat people nicely? How do you make sure that they are happy in the job, right? How do you make sure that you're actually leading them and you're not telling them? Also, I guess financial, you know, how to project things, how to, you know, like the revenue target we had for last year, we smashed it. And, and so it's, you know, just, it's another small skill. It's, it's maybe not the one you have to learn the first uh, weeks in business, but it's definitely one that you should learn if you want to continually grow and make sure that your business does not start to go backwards because I, I only believe in that you're going forwards or backwards so you know there's a lot of skills to learn but I think again going back you, you, if you have the grit and persistence and ability to manage your time you're going to be able to pick up all of those because you're going to figure out what needs to be learned and you'll learn it at the right time I think I think for my audience uh, most of the, most of the guys are going to be people that are you know looking to launch a crowdfunding campaign or launch a physical physical product on Amazon, um, do you have any tips? Because I guess this, this would be two different models, right? Uh, the people that are going to go sell on Amazon or another e-commerce platform that already has a you know existing uh, base that, that of people that visit, and then the other people that are in the crowdfunding space. What basic tips do you have in terms of them launching a physical brand from a marketing side? Yes, certainly. So I've, I've launched, well, and am currently trying to launch a couple of brands right now. So I, I've got some experience in this to say. So I, I would think, I, I would say that having a plan is probably one of the biggest things. Putting together a Gantt chart is a big one that's been helpful for me. Even though I'm great at time management, I'm a visual person. I think for anybody seeing what you need to do, and when you need to do it, so you can also spot problems. Uh, one of the things that in our business we've ran into a lot of troubles with is the FDA. And you cannot really project the timeline of the FDA. You cannot project all the costs that are to come into it. So I think being very clear on, okay, you know, from this time to this time, we're going to be doing a website. This time to this time, we will be doing content. And not just doing content now, even though you have the product, because maybe you don't get through the FDA. And I guess I'll, I'll share some of the learnings I had from last year. We lost $40,000 because we stopped a business because we realized we couldn't get through the FDA for that product. Or we could have, but it would have been a bit risky. So, because it was a gray market. So, I would say just being very clear on this is when I'm going to do this and trying to think through what are all the things I actually need to do. I need to do Facebook ads. Okay. I'm not going to do that until the website, the content, et cetera, is all going to be done. Right. But for example, creating your brand and creating your branding that should be done on day one or, or at least in sync with when your, your brand is uh, or your product is being done. I think just being super clear on 
what it is that you're going to do and trying to forecast what problems you could come across, making sure you have the proper budget for everything so you're not having to source more money later. And also just timelines. You know, for example, another project we I personally had trouble with way back when I didn't know that there was going to be that there's a time that you can't submit products to Amazon. It's around the holidays. And so it, it ultimately I never ended up launching that product I wanted to because I didn't want to wait four more months uh, until January to get it into Amazon and have it all set up. So yeah, I think just being super clear on what it is you need to do when you have to do it is super important. What sort of budget should somebody be looking at? For, I, I guess Amazon Amazon significantly cheaper, but like for the people that are doing crowdfunding, um, let's say they're successfully funded their, their campaign you know, or not successfully funded by the campaign, but they're building out their, their campaign. What, uh, what sort of budget do you think people should put aside for that from marketing to building brand, uh, brand identity, things like that? Yeah, great question. So I would say, you know, it really depends on where you're launching. It depends on what you're launching and it depends on a little bit of your strategy. So I'll give you a couple of perspectives I have. We have a tea business we're going to launch here in the Philippines. We have access to 100 plus gyms because my partner is relatively the owner of it and involved in all of it. On top of that, we have access to some of the biggest influencers in the Philippines. So now we look at it from a perspective of we know we have an audience we can launch to. We just need to give enough product away. So we've set aside a budget for the product or set aside a budget to purchase our own product at cost and give it away. We've also set aside, I think, like a very, very sizable amount of budget per month. I want to say maybe five or $10,000 a month for three or six months runway on Facebook ads. And again, we've done that purely on the basis that we kind of hopefully know we know what we're doing uh, with Facebook. I would hope we do. So we've set a sizable amount there. We've looked at, okay, we're going to do email marketing. So we've set aside a small budget for, you know, high level copywriting, our CRM, um, so I think it really comes down to what market are you in, what uh, partnerships can you create, and also what is your product, right? So when we were looking at launching a product in the US, it was a cosmetic brand, the one that we stopped and lost a lot of money on. I think we had four times the budget than we have, more than four times the budget that we have now for our business. And so that was, again, going into a first world market. It's a lot more saturated. That industry and space is highly saturated. So it's... Yeah, I think it's relevant to the product where you're launching and what potential partnerships you might have already. I think right now in the business we're going to launch right now, the tea business, I would say almost 40% of our budget is marketing because on the, on the basis that our product is very cheap and there's not too much else that we need to compensate for. So we just want to make sure that we blow this out of the water and uh, it's, it's very well known when we do launch. Do you have any tips around how one can identify a niche product that would succeed not specifically like how do i find a product but just i know a lot of people will they'll I, actually i was having a conversation yesterday i was doing muay thai and this dude from the states who's been in china for 10 years he's, he's like picking my brain and start talking about you know sourcing and then amazon and he's like yeah i'm actually trying to launch an amazon product right now so i asked him I was like do you know what product you want to launch he's like well i'm actually i've been looking at four or five six different products i don't i can't really tell which one is the best niche for me so um do, do you have like a any advice on how people can identify which product would be best to start with 
Yeah, definitely. So I would say for me, it would be indefinitely looking at the, the keyword search volume. Look at how many people are searching for that product, whether you can look at it on Amazon or looking at it on Google um, or other places. How many people are searching for that product? If it's one to 100 people searching per month, you're probably not going to have a very attractive product. But if you look at something that's got 100 to 10,000 searches per month or 100 to 1,000, you might potentially have something. And you have to also look at, is it a trendy item, right? Is it a seasonal item? And relate that to what the keyword search volume is. So for example, if you use the keyword search volume tool from Google and you look at fidget spinners, I don't remember when they were super hot, but I think a couple of years ago. 2017. I remember because we, yeah, we had a giant right? order from Walmart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no surprise. Yeah. So, so you know, like, look at that. The, the trend on it was huge. The keyword search volume was ridiculous. Everyone was searching it. So clearly it was a wanted product. I would look at that. And I think for the other part, I would look at the competitors. How many competitors are there? Um, I think we have a product we're looking at together right now and we're looking at the competitors and it's not there, but the three or four people that are selling it are selling it between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars a month, every month. So clearly there's a demand, but there's not a huge supply. So it's definitely a market we could enter, especially if we come in with a much stronger brand, stronger marketing, etc. What's hot in the world of online marketing today? Yeah, so I talked a little bit in the beginning about how AI is a, a huge focus and chatbots and, and so on. It's, it's indefinitely something especially massive for e-commerce brands. Uh, if you're looking to scale your brand from a perspective of customer service, uh, retargeting people, sending out direct messages through Messenger, chatbots and so on are really the next step in marketing. So it was Google, it was Facebook ads, and now direct message where you create a real relationship with your customers, kind of that next big step. So I mentioned in the beginning, I think that chatbots are going to kind of slowly die. And that's only if they don't have the natural language processor, the part that understands, you know, the human element of sentiment and things like that. So I would say by, by building chatbots in the way that we do with natural language processing, it essentially stops it from becoming just a one-stop shop of automated responses. And it becomes more of a shop front intelligent customer hub. So it's something that can actually genuinely create a relationship with your customers. It makes them feel a little bit more close to your brand and it builds up that brand equity. Um, it ultimately just gives it the ability to reply to more complex inquiries uh, and allow it to be transferred to a human if it's too complex, whereas the natural language processor could handle a little bit more simple questions about where your order is what FAQs you might have and so on and so forth. So for me, just getting really good at that, especially as the Philippines starts to take off with e-commerce and even other countries. I mean, the U.S. is not going to be stopping with e-commerce anytime soon. Online and, and automation is the way of the future without question. So I think just getting as good as possible at AI and automation is right now a really big focus within our business because it also sets us apart from all of the other Facebook gurus, if you will say, I hate leading with Facebook advertising because everyone thinks they know it or everyone says that they do it. And so it just kind of becomes overplayed. And, you know, I kind of like to be known, I guess, say for something else and then show that we're really good at Facebook ads and, and so on and so forth, rather than trying to compete with everybody and seeming just like another marketer to say. 
do you see Facebook ads still being still going strong for the for the next little while, or do you see some major changes around there? Yeah, for sure. That's I, I don't see it dying anytime soon. I see there being changes, as there always is. There was a massive amount of changes in December of 2018, so it's inevitable. There's there's always going to be changes, and I think being a good marketer, you have to be on top of that. But there's no question in my mind as of right now that Facebook's still going to be leading the way. It's still going to be where we spend majority of our clients' money. It, it's just more of a matter of understanding how to utilize Facebook ads with the next marketing platform, right? So we still use Google today. Google is not dead by any means, but it's used much more strategically. It's not used for every business. It's used in a certain time at a certain budget allocation and a, and, a, and so on. So it's, yeah, I think it's just figuring out how it plays into your strategy for your brand, because it's not necessary that every brand obviously has the same strategy and same allocation of money for, you know, said platforms. How do you feel about YouTube ads? Yeah, I, I think YouTube ads are great, but I think, again, you have to really find what is the purpose of it. And I think that's really with any marketing. What is the purpose of what are you doing and what, what result are you expecting? So is that purpose going to lead to that result? For me, uh, YouTube ads and a lot of the brands we work with uh, have not been necessary, but we've got one or two brands that have invested into it and it was awesome for them. We, we had the results that we were looking for, but again, primarily it's normally based around brand awareness or something like that, more related to maybe YouTube SEO or something like that, rather than maybe conversion for an e-commerce site. That makes sense. So moving into the closing questions, uh, a little bit more personal, What, where do you see yourself in the next three to five years? Well, uh, it's kind of a, a tricky one. Um, I've been offered a, a pretty big opportunity also within Southeast Asia, not here in the Philippines. Uh, so that could be where I'm at in the next couple of years. If not, regardless, I, I think this marketing business is not something that's going to stop Without question, it's a vehicle that I want to keep because it's, it's something I could use for almost any business I invest into or am a part of in any way. So either A, I'll, I'll be on with that opportunity that I've been offered, or uh, I'd like to turn in-premise marketing into more of a management company for e-commerce brands primarily and, and hopefully only one day, which will ultimately just take time and so on. But yeah, I hope that. And uh, I also hope that I'm somewhere in Southeast Asia, uh, but maybe not the Philippines because uh, the food's not so great here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are three books, podcasts, blogs that people can read or listen to if they were to understand you better? Yeah, so there's been a couple influential ones. I haven't been reading many books in 2019, I'd say, but there have been a couple influential ones, maybe earlier in my, my career. So maybe they're not as exciting today as everybody for everybody, but when, how to win friends and influence people was a big one for me. It really showed a lot of the characteristics that I wanted to improve on for myself. Um, whether it was, you know, over speaking people, it was genuinely listening to them. It was whatever it may be. That was really helpful to me. Um, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a classic, uh, was also a good one. Again, it just gives a new perspective on money and life. Um, and what was also really good. And I'd say for podcasts, one of the ones that I've only ever really consistently listened to is Ryan Moran. Uh, he's a e-com uh, kind of guru to say. He highly focuses on Amazon massively, but he also talks a lot about Shopify 
And then he does a lot of like wealth divestment uh, or wealth management and diversity. So just kind of all around life things as well, but he's highly focused around e-com and Amazon. So he's been someone that I've really listened to, I would say probably in the very early beginning of 2019 and a lot of 2018, I gave him a lot of focus and attention and kind of soaked in as much as I could from him to say. Nice, man. What If people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah, so uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Uh, I think my Instagram is just jordan.glickman1, and then LinkedIn is jordanglickman17, and my Facebook, I'm sure if you type in Jordan Glickman, it'll be easy enough to find. There should, couldn't be too many of me in the world. And of course, we'll, uh, we'll we'll link up all of that in the show notes on the website. So if you want to find the show notes, it's sourcefinasia.com slash China. If you want to reach out to me, it's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. And Jordan, man, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Rico. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Have a good one. I need cleansing. Bad bitches all on the prayer. They need pinches. Pussy niggas running their mouth and we ain't flinching. The names they need mention. I got dreams bigger than your whole team. You niggas so broke that somehow you so green. I guess it's simply started with a penny. Now I'm getting plenty money. Ain't huh. one time for the city. Yeah. And two times for you.